Welcome to Quillette Narrated. I'm your host, Greg Ellis, and in this podcast series, I read some of the best articles that have been published in Quillette. Please support Quillette by going to quillette.com forward slash help free thought live. All Quillette's content is free of charge, but monthly as well as once-off donations are greatly appreciated. All contributions help us bring you original content. In this episode of Quillette Narrated, I'll be reading I Was the Mob Until the Mob Came for Me, written by Barrett Wilson. It was published in Quillette on July 14th, 2018. I drive food delivery for an online app to make rent and support myself and my young family. This is my new life. I once had a well-paid job in what might be described as the social justice industry. Then I upset the wrong person, and within a short window of time, I was considered too toxic for my employer's taste. I was publicly shamed, mobbed, and reduced to a symbol of male privilege. I was cast out of my career and my professional community. Writing anything under my own byline now would invite a renewal of this mobbing, which is why, with my editor's permission, I am writing this under a pseudonym. He knows who I am. In my previous life, I was a self-righteous social justice crusader. I would use my mid-sized Twitter and Facebook platforms to signal my wokeness on topics such as LGBT rights, rape culture and racial injustice. Many of the opinions I held then are still opinions that I hold today, but I now realise that my social media hyperactivity was, in reality, doing more harm than good. Within the world created by the various apps I used, I got plenty of shares and retweets, but this masked how ineffective I had become outside, in the real world. The only causes I was actually contributing to were the causes of mobbing and public shaming. Real change does not stem from these tactics. They only cause division, alienation and bitterness. How did I become that person? It happened because it was exhilarating. Every time I would call someone racist or sexist, I would get a rush. That rush would then be reaffirmed and sustained by the stars, hearts and thumbs up that constitute the nickels and dimes of social media validation. The people giving me these stars, hearts and thumbs up were engaging in their own cynical game. A fear of being targeted by the mob induces us to signal publicly that we are part of it. Just a few years ago, many of my friends and peers who self-identify as liberals or progressives were open fans of provocative stand-up comedians such as Sarah Silverman and shows like South Park. Today, such material is seen as deeply problematic or even labelled as hate speech. I went from minding my own business when people told risque jokes to practically fainting when they used the wrong pronoun or expressed a right-of-centre view. I went from making fun of the guy who took edgy jokes too seriously to becoming that guy. When my call-outs were met with approval and admiration, I was lavished with praise. Thank you so much for speaking out. You're so brave. We need more men like you. Then one day, suddenly... I was accused of some of the very transgressions I'd called out in others. 
I was guilty, of course. There's no such thing as due process in this world. And once judgment has been rendered against you, the mob starts combing through your past, looking for similar transgressions that might have been missed at the time. I was now told that I'd been creating a toxic environment for years at my workplace, that I'd been making the space around me unsafe through microaggressions and microaggressions alike. Social justice is a surveillance culture, a snitch culture. The constant vigilance on the part of my colleagues and friends did me in. That's why I'm delivering sushi and pizza. Not that I'm complaining. It's honest work, and it's led me to rediscover how to interact with people in the real world. I'm a kinder and more respectful person now that I'm not regularly on social media attacking people for not being kind and respectful. I mobbed and shamed people for incidents that became front-page news. But when they were vindicated or exonerated by some real-world investigation, it was treated as a footnote by my online community. If someone survives a social justice call-out, it simply means that the mob has moved on to someone new. No one ever apologises for a false accusation, and everyone has a selective memory regarding what they've done. Upon reading John Ronson's 2015 book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, I recently went back into my Twitter archives to study my own behaviour. I was shocked to discover that I'd actually participated quite enthusiastically in the public shaming of Justine Sacco, whose 2013 saga following a bad AIDS joke on Twitter forms one of the book's central case studies. My memory had told me different. In my mind, I didn't really participate. It was others who took things too far. In reality, the evidence showed that I was among the most vicious of Sacco's mobbers. Ronson describes a central problem with Twitter shaming. There is a disconnect between the severity of the crime and the gleeful savagery of the punishment. For years, I was blind to my own gleeful savagery. I recently had a dream that played out in the cartoon universe of my food delivery app, the dashboard software that guides my daily work life. The dream turned my workaday drive into a third-person video game, with my cartoon car standing in for me as protagonist. At some point, I started missing some of the streets, and the little line that marks my trail with blue pixels indicated where I'd gone off-road. My path got erratic, and the dream became otherworldly, as dreams eventually do. I drove over cartoon sidewalks through cartoon buildings and cartoon parks. It's a two-dimensional world in the app, so everything was flat. Through the unique logic of dreams, I survived all this, all the while picking up and dropping off deliveries and making money. In my dream, I was making progress. As my REM cycle intensified, my dream concluded... I was jolted from my two-dimensional app world and thrust back into the reality of the living world, where I could understand the suffering, carnage and death I would have caused by my in-app actions. There were bodies strewn along the streets, screaming bystanders, destroyed lives, chaos. My car, by contrast, was indestructible while I was living in the app. 
The social justice vigilantism I was living on Twitter and Facebook was like the app in my dream. Aggressive online virtue signaling is a fundamentally two-dimensional act. It has no human depth. It's only when you snap out of it, see the world as it really is, and people as they really are, that we appreciate the destruction and human suffering we caused when we were trapped inside. Thank you for listening. And remember, we don't charge anything for Quillette's content, but monthly as well as once-off donations are appreciated. Please support us by going to quillette.com forward slash help free thought live. All contributions, however small, help us bring you original content.